Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Praise God again. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 31 through 34 tonight of a message titled, Purge It All. Purge It All. And it actually, uh, what we're going to look at tonight deals with the life of Jehoshaphat. Uh, he was one of the kings of Judah and we looked on Sunday night, uh, those who weren't, if you had a chance, hopefully you were able to listen to it. If you weren't, we, so I said, you know, be a Hezekiah. Hezekiah, Lord, uh, some really neat, unique things about the reign of Hezekiah. You know, he purged the high places. He did all these awesome things. So we looked on Sunday night about, you know, be a Hezekiah. And tonight, though, we're going to see what happens when you don't purge, when you have a semblance, some godliness, but not, not a lot of it. You want a little bit. It's kind of that mindset of people, and it's always just crawled up me the wrong way. Uh, I, hey, as long as I get there, I don't, care, I don't care if I sweep the floors in heaven. I just want to get there. Why would you not want to go to the presence of the Lord with honor? Why wouldn't you want to go and be like a Stephen going? Why would you just want to show up with the least amount of honor and glory before the Lord? Why would you want to go and not have any crowns to cast at the Lord's feet? Why? Who in the world would want to go here and join the Boy Scouts, and I don't know what that first level is, and go and spend your entire life, in what, starting at six years old or whenever you can, until 18 years old, and only go to the first rank in Boy Scouts and stay at that first? Who in the world would want to do that? I hope not you. I hope that you wouldn't want to go work for a company and stay at the lowest level as a stock person or a, a warehouse employee not attributing to be a forklift driver, or attributing to be a, you know, the, the, the lead package handler, you know, management or whatever. I hope you wouldn't, I know you wouldn't want to. No one would want to do it. You aspire to, to, to be someone, to do something. But why with Christianity sometimes do people just care to just make it in? I think a lot of that has to do with a word that starts with C called compromise. I think it has to do with the thing of, Hey, I, I want to serve the Lord, but I also want to live in and of the world. We know Scripture talks about light and darkness doesn't have fellowship. It doesn't. There's no way in the world that you can go out and marry an unbeliever and live in basically light and darkness every day and believe that you are going to cultivate a life and a lifestyle of godliness in your home when you've got light and darkness in there. It's actually going to be a continual battle and more often than not, I've watched the light be snuffed into darkness by those people who did compromise like that because it's such a fight in the fewer cases, the, actually a very small set of those circumstances when someone with full knowledge marries someone who's not a believer, most often that they don't come to faith in Christ, even though their desire was that, oh, well, they're going to get saved and everything will be wonderful then. You know, you're, uh, first of all, when you engage in doing that, I mentioned that on Sunday morning, when you 
or even dating or you marry an unbeliever, what you've done is violated what Scripture told you to do in the first place. And even us believing with our well-meaning attitude that, oh, we'll, we'll write this uh, ship down the road, but I don't want them to get away. I don't care. I'd want them all to get away, wouldn't you? I want the only one not to get away that God would have for you. Amen? Because I don't care what you think. Just because you think it's going to be a wonderful blessing, this person is so funny and this, that, and the other, you don't even know about the self-induced horror that your life becomes when you're yoked with someone that's not a follower of Christ because everything is conflict. It's conflict. It's conflict. But tonight, if you'll do what the Scripture talks about, you're not having to worry about having a half-lived life for Christ. You can be all in. But tonight, again, the title is Purge It All. You're going to understand what it means in a moment. Hope you found Second Chronicles chapter 20. We'll look at 31 through 34. And if you're able, let's stand tonight out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Jehoshaphat became king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king. And he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abbas, daughter of Shithil. She, worked in the ways of, she walked in the ways of Asa, his father. He did not turn away from it, but did what was right in the Lord's sight. However, the high places were not taken away. The people had not yet set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. The rest of the events of Jehoshaphat's reign from beginning to end are written in the events of Jehu, the son of Hanai, which is recorded in the book of the Israel's kings. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, again for this privilege we have. God, we pray that your word would speak. We give your Holy Spirit full and free reign tonight to do what only you can do. God, I pray you'll help us realize the importance, God, of completely allowing you in all things to be preeminent and be willing to stand firm, to stand up and to be a true representation of a life lived for you. Father, not a life that has compromise, Lord, of action or inaction. God, let us be ones that are completely in all in. Father, may you be glorified in everything said and done tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So verse 32, we'll start off with again. So he walked in the ways of Asa's father, did not turn away from it, but did what was right in the Lord's Sight. So we see this one part of Jehoshaphat, we see his spiritual side of him, the side that honored God, that loved the Lord, and the first thing I want to share with you this tonight is that the narrow road is the only road. There is no other road that we have tonight that's going to bring God's blessing. That narrow road that leads to life, it's actually referenced, we know, Matthew chapter 7. It is a narrow road that leads to life and only a few find it. Only a few find it. You can't serve both God and money. You can't be light and darkness. You're either all in or you're not all in. But there's an issue here because you see in this subsequent thing right here in verse 33, however, that's the problem. You've got this encouragement that he walked in the ways of Asa, his father. He didn't turn away from what was, uh, did turn away from what, he did what was right in the Lord's sight. However, high places were not taken away. The people had not yet set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. So what you had was a God-loving leader, but you had a people whose hearts were far from the Lord. They hadn't turned, but guess what? He didn't have the, the leadership. He didn't have the godly fortitude to say, you know what? I'm, you're going to turn back, period. 
We're cutting these high places down. We're removing this godlessness. This is idolatry. And instead of being a solid leader, he was wishy-washy. And to me, what you see right there is the lack of God's ability to fully bless him exponentially, to see the godly demonstration of in total faith saying, I know this is not what God wants. These high places are out of here beyond a shadow of a doubt. How many times have we seen that, though? It was very few times in the Old Testament, but I'll tell you, think about one in particular, King Josiah. A guy at a time when it was complete godlessness there. You see this kid, this basic kid, ascend to the throne. And is he not around 18 to 20 years old when this happens, and yet he calls the people to repentance, and what happens? They repent. They repent. They remove the high place. I mean, he has an, an, this entire revival that occurs with his leadership. And yet you've got one like Joseph out right here. It's like, well, you know, everything's good, and I love the Lord, but I, I, I don't want to, you know, the people aren't, let's just, let's just, Leave well enough alone. Oh, I met this person, right? They said that uh, I can tell they're not real sold out, and everything, but it's all work out, but it's not going to. You're either in or out. There's no such thing as a, as a halfway in Christian. I'm telling you, I'm sorry, but there's not. Well, you know, I prayed a prayer to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. I sit in church. I've done nothing for the Lord. There's no spiritual fruit in my life. I don't read God's word. I don't grow. I don't go to Sunday school, don't involve myself in any fellowship, but I can't wait to go to heaven. It's going to be so awesome. Do you think that's conducive with someone who has been, what Scripture says, be ye transformed, meaning you've been regenerate? Do you think somebody that sits in here and desires not to get in God's presence and spend time with his people? Huh? Do you think that is the marks of what Scripture says, by their fruit you will know them? Someone who's not willing to take a stance to defend God's children because, oh, that's, that's a divisive issue. Who's not willing to call a spade a spade. I don't care what you think about me calling a spade a spade here. I'll be perfectly honest with you. And if you ever get tired of hearing it, you just have to tell me one time, collectively, and I will bow out gracefully. Whenever you get tired of hearing the truth, You're going to find you some sugar daddy to get up in here and and, and he can pour it to you. But I won't be a part of it. Because I know that the only truth is the truth in God's word. And there's one of two things that's going to happen at Longview. We're going to be lovers of truth and people that honor, glorify, and serve the Lord. Or I won't be, I I don't want any part of it. Because there is no blessing apart from a total adherence to the truth of God's word. And number one, God loves people, Amen. That's why churches that will not stand up and support ministries like Tennessee Right to Life, get out of my face. I don't want to hear from you. I don't. I don't want any. It's so heartbreaking. I wouldn't allow Dan and Katie Brown and all those people from Tennessee Right to Life to come into them and, and share the ministry of Tennessee Right to Life and let them give them the baby bottles and let us help support them because it was too controversial. Too controversial? What's wrong with you? I know someone left this church beyond a shadow of a doubt because they didn't like my stance on that. Well, sorry, go. If you think that should be legal and that's your, that's your stance, hit the back door, church, I'm sorry, because we want to follow what God will bless. And if you 
get right, I would encourage you to repent. If you think that, that the, the blessed little children that God knits together himself in God's womb are disposable, or you think that a woman should be able to choose to do that, you better get right or you better get out. Because you've got a direct issue with God himself. Because there is no such thing as a mistake. And I don't care what the circumstances are. Either God's the giver of all life, or you don't believe what this says right here, church. There are no mistakes. And when the scripture says that all life comes from God, I don't have another path for you if you believe that. It is nothing more than murder categorically across the board. Oh, well, what about, don't even give me that because God doesn't make mistakes. What happened? Don't stop. You can't give me that. I'm sorry. Just like the professor at the school that I went to and, and first college course I ever went to said, anybody in here uh, not believe in abortion? I was the only one that raised my hand. And he looked over at me and said, oh, how many uh, children has your family adopted then? I said, two, sir. With which he was laughed out of the place by the other students because he thought I was going to say, well, we didn't adopt nobody, but we believe abortion's wrong. I think that the body of Christ should be doing the work of the kingdom, which is what? Whatever you've done to least of these, you've done unto me. And you should be either supporting adoption ministry and fostering ministry and short-term fostering. If you could, you know, you're not at the place where you could adopt. Hey, be willing to foster. It's an important thing to do. Now, is it easy? Is it fun? No, it's not. It's very, very hard. But if we can say out of one side of our mouth that we're so passionate about God's children and passionate about kingdom ministry, but not be willing to participate and engage in it, I don't know what to say, church. It's the same thing as reading Matthew chapter 25 and hearing about the goats. When were you hungry? When were you thirsty? When were you naked and when were you in prison? Whatever you did not do to the least of these, you did not do unto me, and they will go away into everlasting fire, but the righteous to eternal life. Read Matthew 25 again if you want to know where I'm coming from. But that's the scripture, church. We can either be all in, or we can sit around and talk about how awesome it is to be holy and godly and righteous and live no semblance of those things. See, this is where you got a problem with this leadership. And right now, the second thing I want to share with you tonight is this. There's no such thing as being half in. Again, there's no such thing as being half in. You don't see that anywhere in Scripture, do you? Now you see it addressed. How is it addressed? You are lukewarm, half hot and half cold. You are, therefore, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. There you go. God doesn't like lukewarm the same way that there's no such thing as somebody being half saved. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I'm just not real into it. What? <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Excuse me, what did you say? You're either all in or you're all out. There's no such thing as one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. I'm just enjoying my life, but I'm so thankful I'm saved. There's no such thing. That's why it's very important to realize if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you've got to purge it all. You're either all in or you're all out. There is no such thing as allowing salvation or Christianity to be but an app on your phone that you decide you're going to try out for 60 days or whatever it is. Are you all in or are you all out? And that's what I ask you tonight. Are you religious 
Or do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you a fan or are you a follower of Christ? Are you sitting on the beach with your lemonade and your, your lawn chair shouting to the world how you met Jesus, but yet you never followed him? Are you a follower of Christ? That's the question tonight, because if you are, you are all in. By the way, it's not going to be hard to get your money separated from your hands if you're all in. Why? Because you realize God's given you everything in the first place. And a tithe is not an easy thing or not a hard thing for you. It's an easy thing for you because why? You realize where it all came from and there's no greater thing than to come and not only offer an, a sacrifice of worship, but a sacrifice of your finances to the kingdom work. What greater privilege than being all in and being a part of what God's doing, not only in the local community, but through the cooperative program, missions and ministry all over the globe that you and I are directly involved in through the convention. That's an exciting thing to be a part of. Do you realize the Baptist Children's Home, when we give that money every month, right, when we do the birthdays and anniversaries, that's actually going to the nonprofit Tennessee Children's Home. Those children who have no families are getting ministered to by us celebrating our birthdays and these families that we have a part of that those children don't have. We're directly involved in that every single month. Isn't that exciting? See, those are things that we've got to realize. We're actively involved in ministries that sometimes we won't even physically touch. We're still actively involved in those because we're allowing our finances to be used to go and minister to others who God has laid that as the ministry on their heart, but they can't do it without our support. And you think about all of the things that we involve ourselves in and all the things that we're doing. We're going to do a stewardship drive this year and talk about money for Matter of fact, it'll be the longest time I've ever talked about money in Longview's 16-year history. And by the way, the deacons didn't come and say, hey, we got financial problems. No. Today that I stewardship drive, I think, is an incredible thing because I'm, every Sunday we're going to open with about three minutes from people I'm going to be talking to in here. So get ready because I'm going to talk to some people. And if you have had God bless you exponentially through tithing, maybe a time you didn't do it and God laid it on your heart and God convicted you of it and you started doing it and you saw how this man god had promised to test him in this and we did and god has been so faithful but i'm gonna pick four four families or four people to share a little three-minute thing before the message starts on the stewardship month to be able to share how god has blessed you because of your financial faithfulness see we don't think about money a lot you've not heard you, you can't say brother jonathan's been up here beating the financial drum for 16 years you can't say that because you'd be a liar if you did amen because I said from day one, I'm not a rent money dance preacher up here going here trying to do a shakeout on Sunday mornings to try to get more money out of you. That's an issue between you and the Lord. But it's an important thing because God dealt with that a lot in Scripture. The reason is, is why our finance is so important to the kingdom. But Jesus talked about them a lot. <laughs> Amen. He did. Scripture talks about it a lot. Money is a very vital means to an end scripturally. We know what the scripture said, love of money. Love of money is the root of all evil, but we realize the scripture even talks about with pastors, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading. We know of a lot of things. The scripture talks about money, but it's important for us. And if I failed to address money any time from the pulpit, I'd be failing you. You know why? Because I failed to give you the ability to understand an act of worship that has a blessing attached to it and the one place scripture says to test them in. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out a blessing 
so great that you cannot contain it. I walked into work yesterday morning, and I'm in the, when I go in there, I'm sorry, y'all, they're all, and I go in there, and they all kind of perk up because I always say, I want to see teeth. I want to see teeth. They all start smiling. They do because I said, I ain't going to listen. Now, your parents spent too much money getting your teeth fixed. Get, I'm going to see them. But this yesterday morning, I said, how you doing? I said, I'm drinking from the saucer because my cup's overflowing. And they all started laughing. And, of course, it lightened up the morning, you know. But I say stuff like that. I'll say something different uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays when I come in. But, you know, it's the reality of, of my life. God has blessed me. God's blessed you. Are you living in the overflow? I listen to one of the songs that I have in my, my songs in the car. Living in the overflow. Are you living in the overflow? What does that mean? The same thing I just said. I'm drinking from the saucer. Man, my cup is overflowing. I'm in the overflow. God has blessed me so much. I'm living in overflow. I'm not even, I'm not even drinking out of the cup because I'm, I'm living in the overflow of God's blessing. Is that, do I say that to mean that, man, we're walking around like uh, a big drug dealer or somebody that won the lottery? No, that's not at all. But I'm talking about the blessings of God have left me in a state where I'm drinking from the overflow. You know, God allowed me to get my CPAP machine this past year. I'm sleeping at night better than I've slept in decades, truly. I feel better than I've felt in decades. I'm blessed. Our family, we, you know, we get sickness. We have the normal stuff, but I'm, I'm, we're blessed. We're blessed. Look at God and what he's blessed us with, with the church family with the blessings of having genuine relationships and fellowship with genuine believers here, not put on, not playing games, not dressing up on Sunday, smiling like everything's wonderful where your whole life is in a toilet. No, we have genuine fellowship. I get to hear the stories of how people are being transformed in this body and how God's blessing people through the sermon series that God's laid in my heart, how the word is speaking to people. I can't, listen, I can't even begin to start tonight, to name all these things that God's done. God is so good. And how could I fail then to share the pathway with which you can experience the same thing I experience that I'm living in? I'm not living in a fairy tale. I'm living in reality as a follower of Christ. Even on my hardest days, God gives me a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I can't, I could not for anything that. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful tonight that there is no such thing as half in because if there was, I probably would be there. And I wouldn't be experiencing the full abundant life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that I'm not in some church that preaches that kind of, it's anti-scriptural life. I'm thankful for the word and for truth and the hard truth of scripture. Because the hard truth of scripture brings you to a place where God can bless you overwhelmingly. Are you there tonight? Have you purged it all? Or are you living in a life right now where you love God with your heart, but you still got asterisks? You still got molecs? You've got all these idols around you that you're scared to say something about in your home or your life because you're scared somebody might get offended. Well, if you are, you're not all in. You're not living the abundant life in Christ. And what semblance of life you've got, you're being robbed of the true ability to walk in the fullness of Christ. And I want to encourage you tonight, if you're at that place, get serious, do a checkup from the neck up and find out, are you, first of all, are you all in? 
in the mental sense. And if you are, why don't you get the rest of it straight? Don't let your money be funny and your chain strange, as old Willie McLaren said. You remember that? There's no funny business in the, in the kingdom realm. Get all in. Get serious about it. Get faithful. Get obedient. Because that's the place where God pours out his heart to you, his thoughts to you. God blesses you beyond measure and beyond understanding. You don't need a person to have fulfillment. Yeah, God blesses us with people, but guess what? Tonight, if your wife or husband or your children or anybody else for that matter walks out of here, if it destroys you, it shows a whole lot about what you are. If tonight your whole entire family abandons you, you've, you've not been abandoned at all because number one is still there. God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. Height nor depth, angels, principalities, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That tonight is truth. Are you living in that? That's the overflow. Like Job, first thing he does after being told the rest of everything he had, his kids are dead, everything's gone, was to get in the ash pile and worship. Not even grieving. He falls down in the ash pile, worships, and his first statement is, naked I come, naked I go. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His first act. That was a man that had purged it all. There was no asterisk. There was no molex. He knew where the reality of, of truth was. And he lived it like nobody else. And that was the sustaining grace when all of this happened to him because he had purged it all. As a matter of fact, he was so faithful, he was offering sacrifices in case, in case his children had cursed God, in case his children had sinned. That's how on board with honoring, loving, and glorifying God that Job was. Are you there? Meaning is the very essence of everything that you are, a complete, overwhelming, consuming desire to glorify the Lord in everything that you do and say, in everything that you represent. If not, why not? That's what I ask you. And then the third and final thing I want to share with you comes out of really 33 and 34, but either purge it all. Ready? Stay away. Because there's a great danger if you're playing games with the Lord right now. I'd encourage, you might say, Brother Jonathan, why would you say that to somebody? I'll tell you why I say that right now. There is an extreme danger should you not be all in right now to continue to sit and hear sound doctrinal teaching, preaching, and become calloused to truth. There's a danger, an incredible danger. Scripture talks about, you ready? The deceitfulness of sin hardens your heart so that you no longer feel and experience the Holy Spirit's convicting power anymore. Your heart has grown hard. You sit in Sunday school classes when the theology is this thick and God forbid someone would ever come in there and challenge you spiritually because why? You'd leave because you ain't in for that deep teaching. You're not in for that. You don't want to put your time into that. Why? Because you don't, you're not there. You're spiritual. 
And spiritual people don't want anything other than credit card thickness spirituality. They don't want to be challenged to greater growth. They don't want to be challenged to a greater commitment. They want to be more spiritual. They want to look like a Christian, smell like a Christian, but God forbid if they would ever act like one. It's all about religion in the first place. It's not about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about religion. And that's why you find people who have become hardened in the deceitfulness of sin, but yet at the same time can look as spiritual as you've ever seen. The scripture talks about them. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. And by the way, we're not here to purge. We're not here to winnow them out, are we? That's what Jesus is going to do one day. That's not ours to do. All we're to do is continue to preach and teach the truth. When you see it, what do you do? You keep loving them, and you pray that God would convict them and bring them. How do you know that person can be like that? How? It's called fruit inspecting. Anybody know what a fruit inspector is? Judges pass sentence. Scripture says don't judge, lest you be judged. Exactly. A judge goes and says, you are condemned to die. You're going to hell. That's why you can't walk up to one of your brothers or sisters in Christ and look at them and say, you're going to hell. You can't do that. That's what a judge does. But state's attorneys is what we've been called to do. We're fruit inspectors. We are to say, I'm concerned about you. There's no thirst for the spirit in you. There's no thirst for obedient commitment to God's people. There's no spiritual thirst to minister to God's children in you. Only a reason why you can't or won't. Oh, you don't care about men's breakfast or women's Bible studies or any kind of fellowship. You don't have kids at home anymore. You don't have this or have that. But it's all the excuses on why you can and won't do anything. Fellowship at church to work on the property. You never show up. Don't want anything to do with any of those things at all. Why? I'll tell you why. Look at the church at Ephesus. You lost your first love. Oh, those, I'm sorry, those people were working. What about people who have no desire or thirst to be a part of anything in the church but showing up for a few times? Not a part of anything? You answer that, church. I hear from pastors all the time that your churches are full of those. Can't get them to show up on a Wednesday if it smacked them in the mouth. Don't have no desire to be on a Wednesday night, Sunday night. Don't have no desire to be anywhere. They come on Sunday morning sometimes. And then get upset when the preacher preaches a heavy scripture and sermon on stepping back and examining yourselves that see that you're in the faith, what Paul said to do. Preaching on messages like Matthew chapter 7, by their fruit you'll know them, how wide is the broad that leads to destruction, and many are there that go. I'd rather you hate me, hate, and I, I'm using that word, hate me for truth than to love me for lying to you. Because there's a lot of pastors that are going to stand before God one day because they didn't have the backbone to stand up and preach the full counsel of God's word. And they got in there on Sunday mornings and it's, might as well handed out cups of, uh, of uh, cotton candy and fruit drinks because that's what the spiritual dimension of so many, sadly, ministries are these days. They go in there on Sunday scared to death that somebody's going to stop tithing. You know what? If you stop tithing because I preach truth, that's your business, not mine. 
because you're going to still stand accountable for truth, and I will too, so God forbid I would ever fall into the fear of man and stop teaching and preaching truth because I'm scared somebody's going to stop tithing or get upset and leave. I'll turn the lights on if the rest of the people want to end up going. I'll stay here as long as I can to keep the doors open. Amen? But I know that there's people out there, and thank the Lord, Longview is filled with people that love truth. And I'm thankful for that. And you know what I hope on a message like this, when God lays a message like this on a Wednesday night, I go, Lord, doesn't this seem like a Sunday morning message? No, God laid this on a Wednesday night. You know what I'm thinking? It's that little thing right back there, uh, right below that TV, that people are ministered to online. And maybe God's using that in a mighty way to reach somebody who's not, but in challenging you and encouraging you to a greater growth, all of us should. And maybe God's going to use this in a way for you to minister to somebody this week, next month, next year for that matter. But I know truth is so important, but also that we might not be deceived. Us. Doesn't matter how faithful you are. You can run three quarters of your life in the spiritual race and drop out at the last minute. You know what scripture says, church. We can keep on sitting all day long and you can find you a preacher to tell people how much you love Jesus, but if you didn't love him, I'm sorry. You can have him, the whole world share how much you love the Lord, but if you don't love him, church, you know what the truth is. God knows the truth. So I'm hoping that God would continue to compel us to a great passion for God's glory, his holiness, and to live out the great commission and work out our salvation, as Scripture says, with fear and trembling. Whew, praise God. You know why? Because that's the truth. And that's what we're going to stand before one day, a God whose entire essence is truth, holiness, righteousness, and justice. You know what's wild? I went by the Justice Center today in Shelbyville. You know, that's where the Sheriff's Department is and things. When you go in there, you got to pull your pockets. You know, you, they put you through metal detectors, and there was about six or eight deputies around. You know, all of them around there. And I had one of the littles with me. You know, we walked through there. Of course, the thing went off, and um, I had to pull my... No, I didn't. I didn't bring that in there. But, you know, they had to, I had to lift up my shirt and all that stuff, make sure I didn't have booby traps on me and hand grenades. <clears throat> but you know what there was none of while I did that? There was no fear. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared. I wasn't freaked out. But I know what I would have been if I would have been up to no good. Nervous, fearful, scared. Why do we get nervous and fearful and scared when there's a divine expectation of judgment, when there's a fear because we are out of step with law or truth? And that's what happens. People start thinking about God. If you don't know him, I'd be scared to death too. If you're not living in obedience to his commands and word, I'd be nervous too. What do step with it, it makes us fearful. The scripture, though, when it talks about the fear that as Christians we have with fear and trembling, we do that because we stand one day before a holy and a righteous God whose standard is holiness. And we realize he doesn't play games in the same way that we feared our parents growing up. Same way I did. Why? Because if my parents said something blind or flim-flamming, they were very effective in fulfilling what they said they would do. You know who's even better at doing that? So therefore, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. God 
Keep me in your presence. God, keep me under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, keep me in the overflow of your blessing due to the fact that my life is a life of obedience and submission to your will. God, don't let me step out of, of line. Don't let me fall under a sinful heart of wickedness that then is blessed by the enemy and believe that that's your blessing because that can happen. Didn't know that? Meaning you can get into a place of rebellion and a place in complete odds with God as Satan does what? Lavishes the worldly blessing on you to help you run farther and faster. The only problem is, as a believer, God will let us go for a while, but you know what it's like? It's like drag on a fishing line. Zzz, you know what's going to happen eventually? What happens then? It's time. He's going to reel us in. But God sometimes lets us go out there a while. But you don't want that. The enemy allow us many times to run a lot farther. Sin will take us we want to go, cost us more than we want to pay, and keep us long. That's what it is, because it's built on a lie, a facade. Tonight, purge it all. Be in the middle of God's blessing. Don't play games with yourself. If you find yourself deceived in total, complete, humble repentance, cry out to the Lord for it. Get with a brother or sister in Christ. Get an accountability. Get in a Bible study. Get in a friendship relationship. Get in a whatever you've got to do to get yourself held accountable. But I'd encourage you not to continue to allow yourself to be deceived. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight for your word, God, the truth of it. Father, thank you as we're able to see Jehoshaphat, Lord, and how sold out he was to you, how passionate, Father, but yet... At the same time, he was not willing to have a backbone and stand up for truth fully, Lord, and call the people to repentance. Lord, let us be solid leaders, Lord. Let us be all in, not halfway in. Lord, let us be faithful so we can be blessed exponentially, Lord. God, I pray tonight, if anything's been laid bare in our hearts and our lives, Lord, friends you've laid on our hearts, Lord, our, our actions, issues that we need to deal with, that during this invitation, Lord, you would deal with us. Not only that, we would, we would allow you to be in all things preeminent. Father, we would lay those things down uh, tonight, God, and, and leave here in complete obedience, yielded obedience. Father, I pray you'd be glorified in our lives, our families, our workplaces. Lord, let us be able to be instruments with which you can minister through us and, Lord, minister to us, God, and that sin doesn't separate us from your presence, God. Lord, I pray tonight if that would be the case, that you convict us of that, that we repent of that and be restored in fellowship with you as King David with that sin with Bathsheba and having Uriah the Hittite killed. And God, you restored when the prophet Nathan came. Let that tonight, Lord, if there's one here or watching on the earth, Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.